It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to Houston Sports Weekly, the KPRC2 Sports Podcast. I'm Ari Alexander. It is a big week for the Houston Astros, the defending champion Houston Astros, I should say. Pitchers and catchers have reported. We're waiting for the Astros to uh, have position players report, although a number of them have shown up. Uh, For instance, Martin Maldonado is there. Uh, That's a Reggie Jackson candy bar, by the way. But Martin Maldonado is there, and he's got the uh, the braids, the locks, just like uh, uh, guys like Luis Castillo and, of course, Fromber Valdez. And he said that uh, his are better than Fromber's. And uh, Fromber made the move to the the dreadlocks, to the locks, uh, the braids, uh, at the All-Star uh, break got him done right before he pitched in the all-star game and then had him the rest of the year and still has him now and then now uh, Martin Maldonado is going with it so we got some new exciting things going on uh, with the Astros the reason I got a Reggie bar we'll talk about it in the second block but for the first block we're going to be covering the Houston Astros and some of the top storylines uh, as I'll go around the team and we'll talk about different things uh, that matter within the Astros so first of all the big big thing of course is their mindset going in to uh, the the spring training coming off of a World Series. It's very hard to repeat, very hard to win two World Series titles in a row. It hasn't been done since the Yankees won three in a row in 98 over the Padres, 99 over the Braves, and 2000 over my New York Mets. But uh, it's been 22, 23 years now since a team has gone back-to-back, and that is exactly what the Astros are trying to do and uh i talked to dusty baker i talked to jim crane dusty uh he's got a back and forth week man so he is he was at spring training for a little bit he flew back to houston our local chapter of uh, the naacp honored him and then the next night the md anderson uh cancer clinic honored uh dusty and then he flew back to uh spring training so he has had a lot of he's gaining those miles he's like george clooney and up in the air uh, although I think he might be uh, not exactly flying commercial. So good to see Dusty back and forth. Got to hear from him and Jim Crane a little bit uh, about the mindset that the team has going in. So let's hear from those guys real quick. You know, the main thing that I've noticed, because I've been on teams when I was playing and went to the World Series too, we have to guard against uh, uh, living in the past so much and and. and getting back into the present and then realizing, hey, man, everybody's gunning for you, but, hey, that's the position that you want. So, you know, you can't you can't rest on your laurels. You got to – it's harder the second and third and fourth time. You got to go back to work. I think these guys are prepared for that. I mean, um, this one was special. You know, we, we um, really played well and, and happy for the city. And what I was telling everybody, there's a big difference between winning and not winning the World Series. We got a lot more activity. There's also a, uh, a new head honcho, the general manager, Dana Brown. We've talked a little bit about him and what he brings, but – the first at-length press conference with Dana Brown talking about his vision uh, for the Astros and for what Houston is going to be uh, has been really interesting to hear what kind of things that he has to say. 
So for Dana Brown to come in, and it doesn't seem like he's changing a whole lot of things, but the one thing that he's coming from the Braves, and what they like to do is have these big extensions for current star players, and it feels like that's exactly what he's doing. They've already extended one player, Christian Javier, five-year, $64 million deal. That deal will pay him $21 million a year those last two years, which are uh, his free agent years, and that's where we're going to talk about this here uh, in a bit. That's where it's going to buy out uh, years, and it'll be interesting to see what the Astros do with Framber Valdez, who's quite a bit older than Christian Javier. He's 29 and not uh, not 25 or 26, and uh, Kyle Tucker, who is a little bit younger. Kyle Tucker's 26, and he's got two more. You can buy out this year, of course, in the next two years of arbitration, and then however many free agent years. So we're going to talk about uh, first. Let's start with Framber Valdez. So he's pitching this season at age 29. So your this is his arbitration two season because he was super two. And I'll briefly explain what that is. The top 22% of all rookies are super two. It's in the collective bargaining bargaining agreement. The way that most baseball players, the way that most of this works is that year one, they um, you get minimum salary. Year two, minimum salary. Year three, minimum salary. Year four is arbitration one. Year five is arbitration two, year six is arbitration three, and then you're a free agent. Okay? So Fromber was a super two player. A small subset of rookies get what is called super two status, which means year one minimum salary, year two minimum salary, year three is arbitration one, year four arbitration two, year five arbitration three, year six arbitration four. So you get paid a little bit more one extra year. And Fromber pitched early enough or gained enough service time as a rookie in his career that he was super two. And that's where you see a lot of uh, it's happening less because this is such a big sticking point between the union and the league. But for a long, long time, and Chris Bryant is a good example, and we'll talk about him later um, as it relates to Kyle Tucker, filed a grievance because teams will leave their top prospect, who definitely should be on the major league roster, in the minors for like a month, just to avoid them being super two, to avoid paying them an arbitration salary in year three, where they would start arbitration in year four. And so players have filed grievances saying, this isn't fair. I'm clearly good enough to be on this major league team. The only reason they're keeping me in AAA is to pay me less three years from now. And so that's been a big sticking point. A lot of teams do it. I mean, like Adley Rutschman didn't play and, you know, that kind of side injury and, and um, Tampa Bay with Wander Franco. And I mean, like every team that has had a project, Bryce Harper, I think, did it back in the day where he didn't get called up, even though he's quite clearly ready. Um, a lot of these guys do it for super two reasons. And a big one that didn't do it and I thought was good was uh, a few years ago when Pete Alonzo was a rookie for the Mets, they didn't super two him. He came, he won the job in spring training, and they were just like, all right, you're the first baseman. We'll figure out Super 2 whenever we figure it out later. And that was surprising because the Mets before Steve Cohen like to cut costs. And so that is why Framber Valdez right now is in ARB 2, but he still has two more years of arbitration left. And so in ARB 2 right now, Framber Valdez is making $6.8 million a year for his age 29 season. He'll be in ARB 3 his age 30 season, ARB 4 his age 31 season, meaning he'll be a free agent to start his age 32 season. The way that Framber Valdez and his age and everything works, it actually makes a lot of sense for him to sign a contract extension with the Astros. If they were to buy out, let's say, three free agent years 
buy out the next two arbitration years and give him a raise this year. It was reported uh, by Hector Gomez, who's pretty plugged in, uh, Dominican reporter, that Framber Valdez was seeking more than $150 million, which I think would be very difficult for him to get because that would be like an eight-year deal or seven-year deal considering you're buying out all these arbitration years. That was pushed back. Houston Chronicle talked to Ulysses Cabrera, who was Framber's agent, and he said that we haven't had these formal discussions. And uh, and then Dana Brown came back in this press conference and said, you know, we've talked a little bit with Framber, we've talked a little bit with Kyle Tucker, and the, the answer really is somewhere in the middle. On one side, Fromber probably does want a lot of money, just like every player, right? Uh, that 150 number may not necessarily be accurate, um, but I've heard from people close to the situation that the Javier deal has Fromber, you know, thinking about it. Yeah, how well can I do in an extension if Christian, who is less proven, who's younger, is getting $21 million a year for his free agent years. Fromber could potentially get more. You're looking at Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer getting $43 million a year on short-term deals toward the end of their career. But that that's kind of not 43 but like 25-ish is like the going rate for an ace-type, you know, number two, a really good starter. Because 21 is for Christian Javier, who's never had a full season as a starter. He did not start as a starter this past year where he had these amazing performances. He still had five relief appearances in the regular season. This, 2023, is the first year where Christian Javier is going into camp as like, this guy's in the rotation, this guy's high in the rotation, we know he's a starter, right? And so, and he's getting $21 million in 2026 and 2027. So, Framer Valdez has got to be motivated to go, if he can get 21 a year, I can get 24, 25. That makes it very tough for that 150 figure, meaning they'd have to buy out five free agent years. That would be a seven-year deal or an eight-year deal, including this year, which would take him through the next seven years, which would pay Fromber through age like 37, right? Uh, I just don't think that that's going to happen. It does make sense for both Fromber and the Astros to pay him through age 35. Give him a raise over the $6.8 million he's making this year, or at least build a signing bonus into it. Uh, pay him a bigger ARB salary, let's say $12 million. 14 million for year t- uh, for next year 2024 give him 18 million for 2025 and then he's getting 25 let's say 26 25 26 million for the next uh, four years after that so you're now looking at an extension of six years let's see and do math in my head here 14 plus 18 is 32 26 times 4 is 100 432 so now we're looking at a Seven year, hundred and or six year, hundred thirty five ish million dollar contract. That makes decent sense for Fromber, uh, based on how well he's performed. That gets tougher though with Kyle Tucker because of the age. So Kyle Tucker's twenty six, right? He just turned twenty six. This is his age twenty six season. He's going to play his age twenty seven season as Arb two. He's going to play his age twenty eight season as Arb three. He's going into free agency, and the first year that he'll play after free agency, he'll be twenty nine. At 29 is a really good age to be a free agent, right? So conceivably, Kyle Tucker could land a $200 million deal. I have long thought that, especially after this past year, Kyle Tucker is a $200 million player. And if the Astros don't want to give him $200 million in an extension, I don't think you have that great of a chance of re-signing Kyle Tucker because he'll just go to free agency at 29, sign a seven-year $200 million deal, We'll take him through 36, sign one more contract, but he'll get that one big contract. At 26, for Tucker to sign 
a fi- I mean, a, maybe a five-year deal would work. But why would Kyle Tucker want to hit the market at 33 for a smaller contract plus extension when he could get his one massive contract at 29? And the guy I'll use as an example as a good comparison for this is the guy we brought up for Super 2 is Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant at 29 signed a seven-year, $182 million deal with the Colorado Rockies. There are ups and downs to Chris Bryant on the comparison. The thing that Chris Bryant has over Kyle Tucker is he was a league MVP. Tucker hasn't been, right? Chris Bryant also a little bit better known player nationally. Partially he was on the Cubs, first World Series. He was their star, league MVP. That's why. Tucker's probably a better fielder. He won a gold glove. Chris Bryant's not a bad fielder. He's versatile, but Tucker quite a bit better, good outfielder, right? Uh, When you look at OPS plus, total, how good these guys are at hitting, uh, Chris Bryant's at like a career, I think going into free agency, was like a career 132 OPS plus, and Kyle Tucker's like 130. They're basically the same thing. So I think the uh, that comp, that comparison, is useful when it comes to Kyle Tucker. We're looking at seven years, $182 million. Now factor in inflation for the next couple of years because the salary tax uh, where you know you go into the tax is higher than it was when Chris Bryant signed it you know, only last year, right? So... Seven years, two hundred million, roughly, for Kyle Tucker seems to be uh, a pretty good number, and it's good to hear from Dana Brown that there aren't really hard feelings in arbitration between Tucker, Casey Close's agent, Jason Romano, one of his agents uh, from Excel, and Dana Brown and the Astros, because that's a worry. Tucker lost his arbitration case; he filed for seven and a half million. The Astros filed for five. Tucker lost; he got his five million. Corbin Burns, Cy Young winner for the Brewers, talked at spring training, and he was upset at the Brewers, the way that they handled the arbitration meeting. They basically, according to Burns, blamed him for the Brewers not making the playoffs to try to save $740,000. The Brewers filed it $10.1 million or $10.01 or whatever, and Burns filed it $10.75, less than a million apart. And he's saying that they went in there to the arbitration uh, to the room and blamed him for them not making the playoffs to try to save $740,000. I hope nothing like that happened with Kyle Tucker. Dana Brown is saying that there are, there's no bad blood between him and Excel and Kyle Tucker's people. And it's just, it's arbitration. He lost his case and that they want to extend him. Uh, it'll be interesting to find out what happens because I personally, the way that Kyle Tucker age is set up, unless the Astros go big into the 200 million, and uh, take him through a young enough age or at least you know a big number to where he can get another big contract, I think it makes more sense for Kyle Tucker to wait until free agency and then sign his massive, probably $200 million deal. Coming up next on Houston Sports Weekly, we went to the Travis Scott Celebrity Softball Game. Pretty cool event. I'll tell you more about it on the other side of the break. And uh, eating the Reggie Bar with Reggie Jackson, which is a pretty cool side quest I got to do. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Houston Sports Weekly. A lot of the Astros, almost all of the Astros, except for Alex Bregman, who was there at this event, are uh, in Florida. Pitchers and catchers have reported. Hitters don't need to report for a few more days, uh, but there are very few guys still back in Houston. One guy who is back in Houston, a couple guys actually, Reggie Jackson, the advisor to Jim Crane, and of course five-time World Series champion, Mr. October. 
Bregman, uh, Alex Bregman showed up for a little bit at Travis Scott's celebrity softball tournament. Of course, our, our OGs, Bun B, Paul Wall, Trade the Truth, Scarface, those guys were there, but some other big names, athlete names, guys like Adrian Peterson, Terrell Owens. Jose Canseco was just hitting bombs. Steroids work. <laughs> he was hitting bombs into the Crawford boxes with a softball. It was great. Uh, but Travis Scott put on this event to help raise money for his foundation, which goes to scholarships for historically black colleges and universities. There's a group of HBCU teams at Minute Maid Park this weekend playing the Cactus Jack Classic, sponsored by partially by Travis Scott's foundation, named after the foundation. So it's really cool. Teams from uh, Mississippi Valley State, TSU, Prairie View, Jackson State, Grambling, uh, Southern, I think that's all of them. I don't think I'm missing any other ones. They get to play on the field at Minute Maid Park, which is really cool, right? These are SWAC programs. Um, you know, a lot of these these schools don't have as much of a budget, especially for baseball, as some other bigger baseball programs. And for them to get the opportunity to hang out with Reggie Jackson and see Travis Scott and then get to spend the weekend playing on a major league ballpark, it's a really cool opportunity for those kids. And it's a good showcase because – Houston is an area where there are a lot of scouts and a lot of people based out of here, and uh, those kids are going to get to be, get scouted. And there are plenty of good players at these smaller schools, at these HBCU schools, that the right scout believes in seeing a tool or a few tools on a guy, and a player from one of these colleges like a TSU, a Prairie View, uh, could turn out into a really good asset for a minor league team work his way up, make it to the bigs, and then you know how to get these big contracts we're talking about with Fromber Valdez and Kyle Tucker. But that was it was a pretty cool event. Um, one of the cool things I'll show you here later in a bit. So uh, they also debuted the Reggie Bar. So back in the day, way before I was alive, I had to research this and then ask Reggie Jackson about it. Uh, Reggie Jackson had his own candy bar, like the Baby Ruth, right? Like Reggie Jackson believes Reggie Jackson is awesome, which I don't blame him. I love that that level of self confidence, and he's Mr. October. You know, he's Mr. A Month. He's one of the greatest playoff performers in the history of the game. He won five World Series championships, right? He deserves it. So he saw Baby Ruth. He believed I'm Reggie Jackson. I should have my own candy bar. Well, he does. So back in the day, they sold the Reggie bar. And, uh, you know, I read a little bit about it on Wikipedia and whatnot, but they're bringing it back. So the Astros now, Reggie works for the Astros, works for Jim Crane uh, as a special assistant, and uh, they thought it would be cool to bring it back. And so they are manufacturing, like, full-on real. Like, this is what the packaging pretty much looked like in the 70s, back when the Reggie bar was, was a thing. And they kept the original look of it. And it's funny because, like, it's a bar, and this isn't what we think of when we think of, like, a chocolate bar, right? Like a Snickers, Baby Ruth, Payday, whatever. I love 100 grand, 100 grand. Shout out Twix, too, right? It's like a big turtle. So it's got caramel and peanuts, chocolate-covered caramel. It's basically a turtle. It's a Reggie turtle, but he calls it the Reggie bar. And uh, I uh, I picked one up, picked a few of them up, I already haven't eaten this one yet. It's going to get eaten. It's not. I don't think that's going to. I'm going to sit it on my desk. And I'm going to just look at it every day. And every day I'm just going to be like, I'm going to eat I'm going to eat the Reggie bar. So this thing is not going to last long. But I uh, got to talk to Reggie Jackson about the help that he's giving these, uh, these HBCU programs through the event, his relationship with Travis Scott, which is just the most unlikely pair. But those guys seem to like each other and uh, have their foundations have worked together on some of these events. So that's, uh, that's pretty cool. And then uh, I got to eat a Reggie bar with Reggie Jackson, which is like 
you you know baseball bucket list that's something to check off so take a look at uh at my chat with reggie on uh on these hbcu programs what he wants to do to help more black players get into baseball more african-american players get into baseball specifically uh helping these programs and then of course the relaunch of the reggie bar how excited are you to be able to be in a position to do something for these hbcu colleges and to try to to build put in a, an environment where more african-americans can play baseball you know i'm i'm absolutely thrilled about it um I was looking forward to coming here for the last two or three months when I found out that uh, Jim Crane had talked to me about said, Reggie, you know, I'd like you to host that, host that, just be there for all four days, et cetera. And so I'm glad that the Astros and Jim and uh, Paula with our foundation have, you know, gotten together here and, um, you know, got this HBCU tournament going on. Um, I'm really looking forward to the talented players. I have not seen 180 to 200 uh, African-American young, talented players together, so I'm very, very excited about it. And as you say, you know, I'm very much aware that when I was playing, it was 16, 17% African-American in the league. Uh, a lot of the big stars were all African-American, so that went away. Um, right now, the African-American population is only about 5 or 6%. And so when you see the college kids, uh, as, as again, I, I couldn't be more excited. I couldn't be more honored to be able to come here and share the experience. At the same time, I want them to know that you go to college, and if you don't make it in the big leagues, you don't make it to professional baseball, then there's other opportunities still in baseball, whether it's in the front office or whether it's on the field as a coach um, or a person that's on the, in the administrative level, scouting or being a, a general manager or whatever. We now have a black general manager, Dana Brown. We, ordered, we interviewed uh, five to six people and 50% of our black. So it was, it was a big lift for me. I was so proud to be associated with the Astros with that happening and taking place. I, I, just, I just felt confident about it. I want to ask you about the Reggie bar. I'm going to pop this open. And I don't know if you can eat it with the, uh, the grill in. But I got to take that out. <laughs> but I wanted to uh, split a Reggie bar with you. Oh, boy. Here we go. I'll give you that half. I'm going to take this half. And uh, tell me, years ago, how did this come about? How excited are you to have it back? You know, it, it came about when I made a comment that if I ever went to New York, they'd name a candy bar after me. And Nabisco uh, picked up on it. You know, they have the uh, uh, they have the Baby Ruth bar. The Curtis Company has a Baby Ruth bar. They have the Butterfinger bar. And uh, the Catfish Hunter said it's the candy bar is a lot like Reggie. You tear it open and it tells you how good it is. Pretty cool, right? Get to eat a Reggie bar with Reggie Jackson. We only got a couple more minutes left here on Houston Sports Weekly. It is All-Star Weekend around the NBA. The Rockets will be sending several players, no players, the All-Star game because they are bad, uh, but they will be sending several players to the Rising Stars game. Three, in fact. Uh, Jabari Smith Jr., Supposed to be Jalen Green and Alper and Shingoon. Jalen Green is now out uh, because he strained his groin guarding Timothy Chalamet of the Oklahoma City Thunder. 
So replacing him, and I'm glad that the league did this, is Tari Eason, a rocket for a rocket. Uh, who broke the news? Tari Eason's mom broke the news on Twitter that uh, the league will be replacing Jalen Green with Tari, and she was not happy that he didn't make it to the All to the Rising Stars game, of course. We talked to Tari a couple weeks ago. He was unhappy. He felt like he wanted to show that he deserved to be in it. And now, you know, the circumstances are unfortunate that Jalen Green got hurt. But Tari Eason is now in the Rising Stars game. K.J. Martin will be doing the dunk contest. And it's a very kind of a limited uh, group for the dunk contest. It's K.J. Martin, Trey Murphy the third, who I, you know, big friend of the program here, ex-Rice, ex- and then transferred to Virginia, now in the Pelicans. Uh, he's been playing really well this year, second year in the NBA, and I think he should be in the three-point contest. He was like the three-point record holder for Rice for threes and not necessarily the dunk contest, but Trey's got some bounce. Uh, he's a great guy, and uh, so other than KJ, I'm going to be cheering for Trey in the dunk contest. Uh, and then there's uh, Jericho Sims from the Knicks and Mac McClung, the former Texas Tech, the kid who had the uh, the dunk mixtape. Uh, played at Georgetown for a bit, played at Texas Tech, and he's a D-League or G-League guy who's uh, had some 10-day deals and uh, some two-ways and things like that. So those are your dunk contest participants. You got to think K.J. Martin's got a good shot. He has as much bounce as anyone in the league, but I've heard something. One of my best friends is a uh, Knicks reporter. I've heard some things about Jericho Sims. Mac McClung has probably the best highlight videos, or at least they blew up when he was in high school. And then sleeper pick Trey Murphy the third who's just a nice kid out of North Carolina who went to Rice for a couple of years and uh, set some three-point records for the Rice Owls. So looking forward to that. And, of course, the celebrity game will be partially coached by Alex Bregman. Talk to him a little bit about that. He's excited. His uh, parents used to own a D-League team back, back in the day in Albuquerque. He's a big NBA fan. He's got Albert Pujols on his team, and he was joking with me that it's, you know, give Albert Pujols the ball uh, and let him let him go. So he's excited. All-Star game should be fun. No All-Stars for the Rockets, but you get to see KJ in the dunk contest, and you get to see some guys in the Rising Stars game. So this has been Houston Sports Weekly. Keep it with us on KPRC 2+. Please download the KPRC 2+, app, all of your streaming purposes. Uh, that's what we got for you. And uh, lots of Astros. Hit up Travis Scott and a bit on the Rockets. So we'll get more in-depth every week on Houston Sports Weekly. Thanks for watching.